Hello, and the warmest of welcomes back to Old Sport Podcast. Yes, I'm sorry we forgot to text, but we've been scouting the world, eyes on the ground, preparing for a wonderful reboot, and we hope it's worth the wait, with a smorgasbord of sporting delicacies to digest. I'm Hamish Stewart, and joining me to discuss the triumphs and tribulations of the past week, and maybe a little bit longer, are Hugo Carson and Ben Rosen. Boys, it's wonderful to be back. Hugo, where else could we start? The fans have been dying to know how your pilgrimage to see LeBron James in the flesh turned out. Give us the give us the tea. <laughs> um, yeah, it was an honour to see the GOAT play live in front of my eyes. Um, got to see a couple of good games other than LeBron as well. Um, sadly, didn't get to see him in Brooklyn. Got lost a little bit of money on those tickets, but that's fine. You know, that's 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 the way the NBA goes nowadays with resting and and um, load management. What if you could sue LeBron to try and recoup <laughs> the money? I mean, you see these stories of like, I don't know, while you while I was away, like a fan said, oh, I traveled, you know, a thousand miles to see you play Jimmy Butler and had like a sign up and Jimmy like signed his shoes and stuff. And I was yeah. like, oh, I've traveled like fucking 10,000. I know, yeah, they've probably gone from <laughs> Connecticut or something. Like, <laughs> like do you honestly, have any idea how far yeah. away <laughs> <laughs> is from like, Los Angeles? God. Yeah, anyway, it's fine. It, it happened. And it was great to see, you know, I also saw the hockey, which was actually a lot of fun. Uh, any Anyone who hasn't been to a game going over there, definitely recommend it. Did you um, did you throw a salmon onto the field? I did. The rink? For those that don't know, a fan basically sticky taped <laughs> a, a fish to their body, oh, put a jumper on, what? and then threw it onto the ice in a, I don't think it was a major league game. I think it was a college game. Um. NHL game. I, I don't know. Anyway, it was on the on the ice while the players were playing around. Oh, poor fishy. <laughs> yeah. Well, it oh, it, it was dead, Ben. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah it bought yeah. it. Sushimi. Prime salmon Phillips. Yeah. Well. It's been expensive. <laughs> After the end of the ben, game. Would you like to get us through some of the results that have happened in the last month? Yeah, I would love to. Obviously, I think, I believe the last time we convened was midway through the Australian Open. I'm sure all the listeners know what went down there, but just as a reminder to refresh your memories, obviously Novak got through in straight sex or straight sets. <laughs> <laughs> we may or may not edit that out. Um, got through in straight sets. He apparently had a gigantic tear in his hamstring. Um, should, they've also confirmed that, like, as in doctors, they've had numerous, doc- numerous doctors come out and say that that is just not true i think like, anyone that's had like even a hamstring cramp yeah. will tell you that that's <laughs> not true you can't the way he plays tennis the way he looked in that final um against sisyphus there's no way he was playing with a cramp anyway irrespective of that he dominated the tournament once again which he now owns that was his 10th he now goes ties raffer on 22 grand slams and who knows how many more he will end up with and on the women's side of the draw sabalenka got the chocolates there over to golf, there's been a bit happening, but I'll keep it pretty recent. Riviera, Riviera, um, the Genesis Open was recently played over in sunny California. John Rahm won, and with it went back to number one in the official world golf rankings. I saw a stat earlier that said he has scored in the 60s on 83% of his rounds this year, which is pretty insane considering like, like that's about, you know, yeah, you say he's averaging like four under par on those rounds and playing really tough courses, Torrey Pines, Riviera, unbelievable. Tiger was back, made the cut, looked pretty good, walked all 72 holes. So very exciting ahead of some big tournaments over the next couple of months. And the only other thing on the golfing horizon is that the Netflix documentary inspired by Formula One's drive to survive was dropped last week. I don't know how popular it's been. I watched the first couple of episodes. It was pretty entertaining, but it's certainly pitched at it, a fledgling golf audience would be a way to put it. Is it also called drive to survive? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't even remember what it's called. <laughs> Doing their marketing. Well, I, I feel, I've heard good things, but I just feel like it's been under marketed. Like, yeah, maybe it's like, I, I don't know. I didn't watch the, I'm one of the only people that hasn't watched the formula one thing, but yeah. it, like it spends a lot of time explaining how the tournaments are are run and how the year long, you know, season is calculated, what a par is, what a birdie is. So it's pitched at trying to grow the game for sure. It's not necessarily because you've got the info that the nuffies. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, 
Yeah. I don't know, but I don't know. It, it, they've done a pretty good job, I think, and it's always good to get behind the scenes insights for sure. Uh, finally, in my domain, we've got the cricket. We will deep dive into all of this shortly, but to put it simply, it's been a disaster for the men's side over in India. India has retained the Border Gavaskar Trophy after taking an unassailable 2-0 lead after two fairly one-sided test matches. For the women, it's a different story. We're through to a semi-final against India in the T20 World Cup being played over in South Africa. That is a replay of the 2020 World Cup decider. Shame it's not the decider this time around, but the girls are playing great cricket and more on that below. Hugo, over to you. Yeah, so it happened a while ago now, but we'll we'll cover it anyway because it is one of the biggest events of the year. The Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl one Super Bowl 57, 38, 35 over the Eagles. Uh, it was one of the greatest Super Bowls in the last few years. Um, however, it was decided by a contentious last-minute penalty, which really soured the mood of a rather good game. Um, elsewhere in America, the, the NBA All-Star Weekend has come and gone in a crescendo of mediocrity and, and really carelessness by all, all involved. Um at the All-Star break, however, the standings sit with the Celtics leading the Eastern Conference ahead of the Bucks, 76ers, and Cavaliers in the top four. And the, the Nets, Knicks, Heat, and Hawks currently hold top eight positions, whilst the Nuggets, Grizzlies, Kings, Clippers hold the top four in the West ahead of the Suns, Mavericks, Pelicans, and Timberwolves. However, I think a few of those will change with some major transfer uh, or trade deadline Moves, including massively Kevin Durant to the Phoenix Suns, which was a big surprise. Hamish, what about the soccer? Not not a not a great night. No smiles on your end there, Julie. I see. <laughs> no weeks to Liverpool, really. Oof, they've gone hard. Um, but I can't deny it. Yeah, Champions League action the last couple of nights. Real Madrid thumping Liverpool 5-2 at Anfield. Liverpool were 2-0 up in this game as well. And um, anyway, I, I left to go to work at, at 2-0 and... Uh, just like gotten ready for the, the shift. Like, oh, surely we held on. Um, didn't let Real Madrid back. And I thought that something had typo or something gone wrong. But no, it was, it was real. Um, you know what they say, it, was, it was Real. Yeah, go on. A 2-0 is the most dangerous lead in football. Yeah, it's a classic. The 2-0 <laughs> to the 5-2 loss is one of the most classic scorelines. <laughs> you see that all the time. Yeah, actually, coaches, coaches say to the players, don't score that second goal because we'll lose fun too. So it's not worth it. Um, the classic folly. <laughs> fell for the oldest trick in the book. <laughs> the Me- meanwhile, um, Manchester City were held to a one or draw away to RB Leipzig this morning. And in fact, no English teams for the first time since the, the round of 16 was started in the Champions League got a win. Chelsea lost to Dortmund last week and and Tottenham also lost to Milan. In the Premier League, it's really Arsenal's to lose from here, which is not something I thought I'd be saying about a week ago after Manchester City beat them uh, at the Emirates. But after a big weekend where they came from behind to beat Villa and City were held to a draw by no one else than Nottingham Forest, they had two points clear plus a game in hand. Um, and yeah, it's, it's setting up to be an exciting finish, although... Um, probably a little bit different to the last few seasons. Pressure's mounting on Chelsea as well, especially on Graham Potter. Uh, lost to bottom place Southampton at home last weekend in the Prem and then a loss to Dortmund in the Champions League. So big week ahead for them. And the Carabao Cup, the one we all really care about, the big one. The final is this weekend. And it, the really the interest, most interesting thing is between Newcastle and Manchester United is that Newcastle are having to resort to their fourth goalkeeper for this game. So Nick Pope, their number one, one of the best young keepers, arguably the best keeper this year, um, is suspended because he had an absolute brain fade against <laughs> Liverpool in the Premier League on the weekend and came out of his box and missed his header and decided, you know, we'll just use the hands. Missed here. his header. He, he fell, <laughs> his head fell on the ball. It was, <laughs> it was, it was shocking. Um, but goalkeepers are, are known for potentially uh, lacking a little bit between the ears. So anyway, <laughs> The way the English comps work, if you get suspended in one league, you miss whatever's coming next, even if it's not in the Premier Leagues. He misses the final. Now, their number two keeper, um, Martin Dubravka, is what they call cup-tied. He was on loan to Manchester United for a couple of games right at the start of the season and just happened to play in the Carabao Cup for Manchester United. So he's even though he's back at, South, uh, back at Newcastle, 
back from the loan. He's not allowed to play for them because you can't play for two teams in the one comp um, from a loan. So if Manchester United win, he will get a medal, even though he plays at Newcastle. Then their third goalkeeper has just been sent out on loan about two weeks before um, Pope's suspension. So it leaves their number four, who is none other than Loris Carrius, who is, for any Liverpool supporter out there, the source of pretty much all your sporting <laughs> and personal problems after his performance in the, the Champions League final in, in 2018. Um, right. So it could be one of the great character arcs for Carrius if he can um, pull off a, a good performance. Honestly, which zero who, except for like, honestly, probably diehard Newcastle fans, who knew he was at Newcastle? Like, Well, he, he's only played one game in the last yeah. year and then he moved there like at the end of the last season. Can this all, like if he's now the fourth keeper at Newcastle yeah. and he was yeah. the, the Champions League final keeper at Liverpool, yeah. has that all just like been a domino effect from his Champions yeah. League effort? Yeah, yeah. None one of them. Yeah. He got turfed out of Liverpool the next year, went to um to Turkey for a little bit and there was, ended up at, at Newcastle. That's there was concerns over his, his safety at, at uh, Anfield. Like, mm. They had to cut him because the fans oh. were so mad, so mad. Oh, I thought it might be because he might accidentally like juggle a ball into his head. Like, <laughs> sorry, that's harsh. He's not very um, sympathetic. Sorry, sorry. You can no. see why there are such concerns. <laughs> um, and last but not least in the wrap, so AFL pre-preseason games are underway. When I say pre-preseason, because the preseason games actually start next week, but these are the pre-pre ones, which don't have proper coverage but they are on KO um I did watch a little bit of Essen versus Gold Coast this afternoon they play eight quarters (laughs) it is it's all happening 60 people in the Geelong team eight quarters or eight eight segments kind of thing but depends and then they called it after a certain amount anyway all a bit weird um big win for the Bombers over the Gold Coast by five points so (laughs) blow the siren I say give us the premiership call it there um We'll come back to the footy a little bit later on because what else are we going to do? But uh, Hugo, I might actually... Actually, no, Ben. I'm going to palm this one off to you. Can you oh, take yes. us through India and, and Australia and, and what's happening um, over there at the moment? Well, nothing good, to be honest. <laughs> um, the, third, the first test doesn't even bear talking about. It was a disaster from start to finish. We were outplayed in absolutely every aspect. I suppose the major discussion point to come from that, which we can touch on now before we move on, was the non-selection of Travis Head in favour of Matty Renshaw and Pete Hanscom. Hanscom, obviously with the benefit of hindsight, that seems like a particularly dim-witted decision. Could you understand where the selectors were coming from at the time, Hugo? Yeah, look, I I feel like before this Australian summer, it was like Head would have had to have done a lot to play these tests in India. And then he went. He did a lot. Exactly. Did did everything. I I think I called this early in the Australian summer that this would happen, but then he went and scored hundreds of more runs. So I I was surprised they actually did it. Look, going in, I thought it might have been the right call, like as in going into the series. But then when it happened, and then you look at the lineup and you've got Renshaw versus Head, and it's a bit like. Uh, you know, it's jarring to be honest. Exactly. Like, head's, also, head's just, the fourth best batsman in the world. Just, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't buy into too much of the the rankings and stuff. Like, right, I, not in India, uh, but still, Renshaw faced like six collective yeah. balls. I mean, you know, hindsight again. You don't know like Renshaw <laughs> meant to be have experience in India and meant to like. I understand where the selectors were, um, but then also you think about it and you think, oh, if Australia gets in a bad situation, which they almost certainly will in the first test head goes out there he faces 40 balls like the rest of the team maybe does but he scores 60 runs versus five like it's the grade cricket had a great take of this on england a while ago where it's like england have faced the same amount of balls as the rest of the teams they've been beating yeah it's batting at six and runs off them. Yeah. so you know if you're if you're gonna get out eventually why not score some runs while you're out there? And oh, I, I think it's a really good take in India because, like, you, yeah. you're just getting unplayable balls. Like, exactly. once every to an extent, once it's, every fifty. But it's then not... that's what happened in the second innings. They decided, yeah. all right, four one, let's go, let's sweep these boys. And all right, well, yeah. well let's just let's keep the chronology because we'll get to that anyway. Do you, do you uh, have anything on the head thing, Hamish? Uh um, I was just gonna say, I think head coming in 
at, at number five is going to do the same as Renshaw. He's going to get Jadeja yeah. bowling into the Kick pads the and, and see see you later. <laughs> Just kick your stumps over. Yeah. But the, the the like you could see from a mile out, head opening the batting in India makes so much sense because those players typically have success there. Gives him a chance against the new ball when he can actually mm-hmm. hit it further and against the pace. So I'm glad the way things worked out, he actually got a chance to uh to open up. And I think like that's that's got to be spot in the subcontinent, has to be, doesn't yeah. it? Um, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And last thing I'll say about this, I don't want to kick a man while he's down, but I think Renshaw had a one to one um runs to <laughs> review ratio. I think he made three <laughs> runs and had three reviews, all unsuccessful. Especially the anyway, last one. Anyway, that's enough on that. So we but, forget but, it, but, we forget about the first test. Yep. The selection yeah. makes sense because I don't know if you remember, but Renshaw hit a couple of sixes against the Renegades <laughs> at Telstra Dome. So <laughs> no, the selection makes sense because he made a gritty 60 on the last tour and then shut himself. Yeah. <laughs> Do you literally that? literally yeah. cracked his pants. <laughs> um anyway. I have to say, so on the selection, we I feel like we may as well stay on selection while we're on it. I think mm-hmm. you know, a couple haven't worked, but then you think about the bold selections. Todd Murphy obviously paid off the first yeah, test. You know, get the bowled really well. Peter Hanscom has arguably, I think, looked Australia's maybe not best bat behind, you know, except for the, the couple of bad shots of Steve Smith. But Hanscom has looked really good in spin. The second innings, yeah. not. But apart from that, the first innings, uh, the second test, I think he looked far and he would look completely under control. Kawhi just scored more runs, but was edging and. Hanscom played really well. Kuhneman in the second test bowled really well, mm. beat edges, you know, didn't get as many wickets as Murphy, obviously, but I think he bowled really well. And I think the three spinners in the in the second test was the right call as well. So yeah. I think there's been some bold selection strategies and some of them haven't paid off. But, I mean, it almost seems like maybe there's a bit too much chaos going on in the Australian selection side, but... When you're going well, to be yeah, facing, they're probably the best team in the world and they're at home. We are a good side right now, but they beat us at home the last series. They're obviously better than us. Like you had to make some bold calls. The, the bigger problem I have is with the casualty war. They've just decided to ship yeah. over to India. They brought over Josh Hazelwood with an injury that they told the press, oh, it's just a little niggle. He's gone home to yeah. rehab. And I know he's Achilles are hard, of, but yeah, yeah he's never a chance of playing. Schwepson came out for a game, then went home for his child's birth. Like, I'm sorry, but your baby doesn't just come out of the blue a week before. Like, like surely that's no. if they knew physiologically impossible. Kid. So yeah, some would say, maybe not Mary, but some would say yeah, everyone um, other than Mary. The thing, and then as Agar well, as well. Yeah. So and the, Stark. The arguments with those is like, so some players are on central contracts, and basically. They don't have to pay them more. You can bring them on the the tour, and if they play, they're on the contract, so it's fine. Whereas bringing Kuhneman on the the tour costs Australia a lot more money, and you know, you're giving them the game. So bring but, him later. I I I understand. When is CA worried about paying players that come no, to no, in India? Yeah, yeah, there's no, no for them. There's no harm. It's in no cost. Whereas like. It, it, it is ridiculous that it's come down to that. Um, why, but why also, Kuhneman? you don't like. Obviously, Agar wasn't bowling well in the nets, and they like I, I feel like there has to have been stuff in the pre-tour training stuff where they're just like he's just not good enough. Like he didn't bowl well in Sydney, but that wasn't a rank turner. These are rank turners, you never know. Steve O'Keefe took eight for because he mm. wasn't spinning it past the bat, he was taking the edge. So maybe less spin is better in India. Who knows? Um, so I I, I kind of get you know taking a batting all around, especially because there was so much talk about Maxwell playing and then you lose Maxwell and you take a batting spinner or rounder, but then his batting's not good enough. And, you know, you've got these Smith and Marnus who are nowhere near enough good, good enough bowlers to be considered bowling all rounders. Hey, hey guys, just wish.com Jadeja, really. In every <laughs> oh, very, very much so. Hey, like... Jadeja, uh, impromptu hit or miss here, but is Jadeja the best all rounder in, in the world right now, better than Stokes. Like he's so good and he's so underrated. I yeah. I've I read that he's got like a better all rounder yeah. record than Ian Botham, which is I mean Ian Botham's etched in the minds of any Australian of that generation <laughs> as this great sort of doyen all rounder. And Jadeja's got a better record than him. So and I reckon they don't even pick him when they tour yeah. half no. the country. Since it's insane. Twenty 
Uh, it's either 2017 or 2019. Can't remember which one. He averages over 50 with the bat and under mm-hmm. 21 with the ball, which is just cooked. That's so yeah. great. Like, he, can't get a, he can't get a gig on the two of us. He will from he has to now. Anyway. He, he won't oh, he so won't play good. against us at um at the Oval in the World Test Championship. Like think... there's every chance they pick Ashwin instead. Yeah. No, it's pretty crazy. Uh, we make it. So we'll move on. We'll move on to the second test. And that was at least more of a contest. That was, you know, two days of really even cricket. <laughs> and then and then one and a half sessions. And then a, a sweep-a-thon. carnage. What, what on earth was that? What happened? I thought we were in for such a cracking test match to set up a cracking series. And then, I mean, I just, I was out on the golf course, checked my scores. <laughs> and then, oh, this will be good. Get back to the clubhouse and just, you know, how on the Cricket Australia app, you can just go through and watch the wickets. <laughs> and I was just in a clubhouse. <laughs> Pissing myself laughing, just watching bumpkin after bumpkin try and sweep a ball and get bowled or kick it. It was just embarrassing. <laughs> what did? What was your voice yeah. take? Did you manage to watch that display of batsmanship live? I watched every wicket live. I uh, was very keen. I had work that night and I knew it was going to be quiet. So I was like, oh, it'd be great. Watch Australia battle all night. Maybe, you know, we, we fall over and have to bowl at the end of the day, but you know, one one for 60, we should get at least 200 and that's going to be competitive. And then, like, obviously there was a strategy going into the day, sweep, attack. I think it's, there's always a balance in cricket. You look at the night before, Australia was scoring at a high rate and everyone was thinking, this is great counter-attacking, you know, taking your chances, really good Australia. And then the next day, they're sweeping everything in it and it's mm-hmm. too far. So there, there's a, a big balance there. And I think Australia just got it wrong. I think the sweep shot is a powerful weapon for anyone who can play it. I think Alex Carey is a good sweeper. He just played on the wrong ball because probably he got in his mindset where he has to sweep everything. Whereas Steve Smith, I don't think he's a very good sweeper. And then he sweeps a ball on middle and off and it's anning into middle and leg. Like, <laughs> I just think if, you know, you think about his hundred like what three four years ago in Pune on the biggest rank turner we've ever seen where he scored from basically he's got a ton on his defense and playing straight and and surviving and then he goes out and sweeps the ball there's been a lot of talk about Pat Cummins sweep like he's not a batsman like I, I, oh, I don't but know. it was so funny it was it was so bad so yeah I think we're getting on. disgusting it was oh. it was such a bad shot but you know I, I think it's more on the others and um you know pete hanscom got a good ball steve smith played a bad shot manus uh i can't even remember how he got out i mean you know you look at the rest of the order and like you think about someone like wisman quadru bats well in the first innings and then plays you know he seems like he's really unlucky but really just ramped it straight to the field they had for it that was a shocking shot yeah. yeah, and then the the innings before as well, there was a, a point and he reverse sweeps it straight to him. Everyone's going off about the catch, but he'd been lucky the whole innings. I think it's a shot selection. Like, it is not easy at all batting out there, but half of the wickets they got in the second innings was us playing bad shots. And they're going to bowl enough good balls to keep us to under 200, but if we're playing bad shots, then you're in for a... <laughs> A long series. Yeah, and it's, it's such a, a shame because, as it turned out, we probably only needed another 50 to 75 runs yeah. to really make a test match. Like, all we had to do was not completely collapse in a heap. <laughs> like, we, when you start none for 60 with a first innings lead, one for 60 with a first innings lead, like, surely you can put a 150-run lead on the board. I, I don't care how bad the pitch is. The the pitch wasn't that bad, so yeah, it's, it is a it is a where were you? I was so I was driving to Sydney in the afternoon, and I left at about one o'clock in the afternoon. So I listened to two hours of ABC oh, Sport God. hyping up this morning. Corbin, Dirk talking about how this this is Australia's chance in the series. Blah blah blah. The get the day starts, heads out in the first over. I'm like, oh, this <laughs> this. Something something's going on. Had it also cover drive to four that over as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, okay, so it started great. It's like yeah. happy days. And then we got to ninety five, and we lost four wickets for no runs. And they got to Pat Cummins and <laughs> and Jeff Lemons on commentary. And Jeff Lemons a pretty hard man to like phase. He's usually very like measured. And he goes, 
Pat Cummins has been bold. He's played the worst shot I've seen by a professional cricketer in all my years. And I was like, I was I was so keen to. to oh, it was so had to watch what was going on because it was unbelievable. Um, like I think that was first that was a bad shot. If you look at like again, I said I said this before. Alex Carey is a good sweeper and a reverse sweeper, but his choice of that reverse sweep then uh, I can I will rewatch that like hundred times and think again but, again. That is an all that is the ball that was bowled was an. Awful ball to play. He got bowled on the top of leg stump and his uh also it was interesting Hayden's comments. He's saying like this why I mean Jadeja said in his post that she's like, I don't know why they were sweeping. And and Hayden yeah. said the same thing. Arguably the greatest sweeper of all time. He said, You sweep when there's like um inconsistent bounce and you're worried about nicking it to back pad. This is not inconsistent. This pitch is just like shooting low and they are bowling full at the stumps. Oh, sweep when you can. Manus's was pretty. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, the the idea with sweeping is you get your pad outside the line. So if you miss it, you're fine. Or you're getting down on top of it when it's like a good length ball, giving yourself every chance. And like, this is not what was going on. So I don't know what's going through the head, but I also think in India, like everything is magnified. And I think their momentum is like when head goes and then Smith goes and Labashan goes. It felt like the game was just about to dominoes. It shouldn't though. Like, like from yeah. the game perspective, we were four for ninety-five, and sorry, three yeah. for ninety-five, and that's not a bad place. Grind to be, out a lead. The the noise, the haze, the crowd that just <laughs> it like always is comes back you. to the haze. It always comes back to the haze, and like, like it's the same. It's the same as the first test. It happened again. They got in a roll, and then they just skittled us. Like, yeah, yeah. In a moment, anyway, it's true. Um, All right, I'll just I'll just do a couple of rapid fire. Yeah, questions before we finish on this test so i like what you've written down here hamish because i think there's some merit to all of them but where where do we turn where do we point the finger of blame to is it on the preparation not actually having a practice match um are we just simply not good enough are they too good is it a financial issue are we favoring t20s too much have we gone too woke perhaps that's the issue um, or did it come down to just the technical issue of sweeping too much? A combination of all of the above. Where do you stand on that, Hamish? I think um, I just think we don't care anymore enough about it. So, like, oh, if they want to no. win, you're sending A tours, you're um, making pitches at home that are like the Indian pitches, you're going and you're playing Warm-up matches, you take a big enough... Do you remember when they went to, like, the Ashes? They took a big enough squad to play their own warm-up matches in those conditions. Um, You can... Basically, you do everything you can to try and win this series. And then you're investing in spinners and you're changing rules in the Sheffield Shield to develop spinners like they've done in in England now. And you're doing all this to try and win in India. And I'm I'm not saying this is what you should do. Instead, it's just... Let's go play some big bash for a bit, fly over a couple of days before, and when it all unravels, just be like, "Oh well, they doctor the pitches and Jadeja <laughs> chucks it, and it, what are we supposed to do?" Um, which is just like a much from like a financial perspective, it's much more. It's a good, it's better business model doing that. Bit a bit of mark or commentary, um, but I, I don't know what the the best way is. We just obviously, I don't think we bought into this enough, no, and so yeah, we're we're not equipped, it. but they look. I know you don't want to be mentally tired and stuff, but like a lot of those players got paid a lot of money to play in the big bash when they could have been mentally refreshing or whatever they need to do to then go to India and be in a state where it comes to that first, they like battle hardened for the first test, not looking like deers in the headlights. Yeah. Deers uh, they are. Yeah. I, I, I disagree, but I won't get into it. That's fine. <laughs> well, no, why not? That's the perfect this whole show. <laughs> what, what I, I just on? think that the players obviously care. It's just more neglect from. I think it's a matter of neglect from. Oh, it, no, this isn't the players. This is like the no, whole no, no, no. institution. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, I like, think, I don't think they yeah. they were offered the opportunity to do any of that. I, Cricket no. Australia is the one who's paying them to go play in the Big Bash. Like, if it's Cricket Australia, yeah. they should pay the same amount to go and have your time off. And here's a specialist Indian preparation thing to go do some yeah. camp somewhere yeah i mean so another you, 19s off spinner to just yeah. bowl at you so there's a lot there's been a lot of talk about like this has been the tour that like they're building up to and australian cricketers would rather win here than england in the ashes and i think there's <laughs> how'd that go 
Well, yeah, I think there's a lot of merit to, to that, that the players would rather, and I think Australia probably should in the future as well. But it just feels like this isn't, I think they will. I don't, I, I, I reckon the next one we go over there, they will invest in it. It, it just, the big bash, it was bad timing because the right steel and everything they needed, those Australian players, and it paid off. Like the big bash research, they sold out the final in WA. Like, mm. I, I think there's, merit in that like with the resurgence in the big bash and we have to invest in local cricket and that's through t20 you know you know my feelings on the big bash as well though like but i don't think there's any reason why you couldn't have in the last few years like we did when we started playing with the dukes ball in shield cricket you know develop some some turners and and they did take todd murphy and a few you know i think is i can't remember what the, the name of the the tour is but they take them over to india play in like some development pitches but there's no a tours anymore there's nothing like that and i think that's a sign of the times more than australia neglect and there's just no there's no time and no space in the calendar for a tours but there's no reason you can't send young players over to play in the ranchy trophy like players go all um lots of players go every year to play in county cricket county. yeah that's a good point um and we're much more likely, I don't think we will, but we're much more likely to win the Ashes in England than we are to win the series in India. I also just think that, like, uh, to your original question, what's the reason we've lost? I think, Ben, I think this is the best Indian set side. Yeah, at home. And they're at home. They beat us yeah. the last two times in Australia. I'm honestly not surprised we've lost. I just think the way we've lost, we could have fought a bit harder. But I like it. I think that was very thorough. All right, we better move on to the Women's World Cup. Hey, Mish, as I mentioned off the top, Australia are through to a semi-final against India. Bit of a shame it's not the final as it was in 2020. What have you enjoyed seeing and what are you looking forward to? Well, it's just been sheer domination so far. And that's what I that's what concerns me and excites me, Ben. We haven't had a test at all um, when we've been oh. chasing. It's still been over with four overs to spare and two wickets yeah. down. And, and when we've been batting first, well, they haven't even got close. So um, it is a little bit like stepping up for me anyway, from like the, the second league to the big, the big leagues in the, the semi-final and the final here, because India are the clear second best in the world. I know England's um, top the group, but from a, like we had a really close fought series in India and in different conditions, but the nature of T20 cricket, um, you yeah, just have to be the best happen. team on the day. And yeah, it's one of these like nervous watches tonight where um, you're just, you're just hoping that, they're ready to go and from all reports they are and everyone's healthy and and fit healy's pulled up for the game which is great um mm. the, the biggest shame for this tournament and it's been great crowds and everything in south africa which is great to see it's just that it's at the most horrendous time so you can't watch any of it live um which in, is australia, that is. Yeah, in, in yeah. australia for us <laughs> not in south africa um <laughs> yeah well Amish brilliantly covered there i think um it, it was an interesting tournament. At one stage, a lot of um, talk about the the IPLW. I think it is IPL women's um, mm. women's IPL. It's just the it's just the um, PL. It's just oh, I think um, just Premier the Premier League. League. I think that's what they're calling it. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, the women's IPL, uh, lots of money, which is amazing to see. You know, probably one of the best women's leagues in any sport in the world, as in funding wise. Um, but it was a big distraction for teams early. South Africa came out and talked. I mean, there's been other distractions in the South African camp. But um, but I think Australia should, with all the class and the depth they've gotten there, like you look at Australia's team, there's no weak link. Like every single player in that is could make any other team in the world, I reckon. And oh, easily. Should, you know, we, we are blessed with greatness and um, I reckon class should should overcome. I mean, India are a good team, but should get over the line there. All right, Hugo, do you want to roll along <laughs> to our second main story of the week? Yes, I mean, it is February, so it's time to get into some AFL content. <laughs> no, naturally. God, has it been that long already? Um, I don't know. I, I've started seeing, I mean, I just saw highlights on my Twitter feed for the first time in months of new highlights. And this is, this is warm up games to warm up games or whatever they are, but 
does the hype do you guys think the hype is building I, I kind of i bought my tickets to round one so hype around that but then also still following the india series so i can't really get into afl yet how do you guys feel now nah, that the wheel's underway i, I know when <laughs> i'm when i'm into footy because i listen to this um the afl.com that i use they do like a daily sh- podcast like 10 minutes long oh, and i haven't listened to one daily. for three months and then <laughs> And it's Damien Barrett carrying on. And then just in the last week, I've noticed I've just put on a couple in the car and just piqued my interest with a couple of topics. And, you know, Jack Ginnivan's in trouble and, you know, it's all, it's all happening. Um, but the preseason hype, I think, is really damaging from each club. They build you up to blow you down, as, as we three know all too well. What do you Essendon mean? They're talking themselves down each interview. You, hear, you listen to... um um. Brad Scott, and he's just saying, oh, no, not finals this week, not finals this year, when, you know, <laughs> we're not good enough, blah, 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 blah. I, know, I haven't heard finals. it, but it's he's probably... I just I, times. Anyway. I just follow... um. Just follow the the Insta and the the Facebook, and it's... Oh, of course. You know, those curated... <laughs> those curated... It's all in slow sunscreen on, making speckies and handballs and tackles, um, and you game plan and blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, how, how are you feeling, Ben? Um, uh, yeah, all right. Um, <laughs> I've actually, I've actually booked tickets to go watch a, um, watch a preseason match. Nafi at, at RSEA Park, just because I think it'd be cool to watch footy at, at Moorabbin. Um, good to have footy. Are you back playing? There. Am I playing at the same? No, who, 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 are you, who are you playing? Who are we playing? We're playing the Dons. I, I, I believe we're playing the Dons. If you want to, if you want to get down. Jeez, Come down to a hostile environment. <laughs> oh, that'd be real commitment. Anyway, we'll see whether that does or doesn't eventuate. When I say I bought tickets, they were free. So I like, clicked the <laughs> link. <laughs> I have tickets. Um, I'm um, feeling all right. I, I I haven't really followed much. I don't buy into any preseason hype. One thing that I've had hardwired into me is pessimism. I oh, do know oh, from, from an inside source close to the podcast, though, that apparently Ross is working them a lot harder this preseason than that they have been worked before. Apparently there's a lot of like the players, you know, 20, 30% harder than they were being pushed under rats. And a few players have picked up like nagging little injuries, but I think there's been a real, a noticeable lift in, in the standards and the expectations. It's almost as if they're playing professional sport now, which is going to be a real <laughs> culture shock for some of the boys down base. It's almost as if every off season, there's rumors of, you know, X player training the house down, coming back fitter than ever. Oh yeah. Oh, He's come back in fantastic shape. My dad's got a joke that the Herald Sun's still publishing articles saying Cozzy's going to have a breakout year. <laughs> <laughs> He's come back in career best shape. I mean, that's sad. Full preseason. I- Full preseason for the first time in his career. I didn't buy into any of this. And then last season, it was talk, you know, Paddy Cripps is coming good. Ben calls him for the brown low, and then he only goes and do- does it. Like, Thanks everyone. I That's think there's right. merit in it, but not at this stage. Like, honestly. when you're I bet everyone's pretty animals. excited to hear about my brown low predictions this year. I think we'll I have reckon they'll predictions be... coming. We in might have to. Uh- I'll have my broadcast that one. I'll have my dollars out, Ben, ready to go. Um, Let's make an account. (laughs) That's one of the surer things. Mm -hmm. Um, What about the new captains? Couldn't care less. (laughs) Yep. Next segment. They go out and do the toss. Which means nothing. I don't think think it'll be more than just the toss. (laughs) I'm going to stand up for the captains a little bit here. Having supported a club where there's a real leadership vacuum, and just crying out for a leader. I was just surprised by a couple of them. So Jordan Dawson was a weird one at Adelaide, but I don't really care about that. Um, Darcy, Darcy Moore, a bit Jordan of a... Darcy, Darcy Moore, a bit of a culture change at Collingwood. Um, Sicily, kind of the opposite at Hawthorne. And then Zach Merritt at Essendon. Um, I mean, there's rumours that he's a bit of a polarising... I mean, not even that quiet rumours, that he's a bit of a polarising figure in the club. So that'll be interesting. But the really interesting one for me was Alex Pierce at Frio after like seemingly coming from the clouds to beat Andy Brayshaw. I know he's vice captain last year, but all roads pointed to Brayshaw. And I just wonder if that is, I mean, you don't leave a club because you don't get the captaincy, but I feel like, you know, it was one of the things that they think pushed Gary Ablett out of Geelong and it just makes it harder, doesn't it? To leave if you, they gave, they gave Judd the captaincy at West coast, if I'm not mistaken, and he still left. And and Lynch and May at Gold Coast. Yeah. So 
I suppose they didn't nice. want to be in a position where their captain leaves. But I feel like right. that's that's also just like I'm going, and then they're like, "Oh, we'll give you captain." And I'm I'm going. Whereas this could be like, "Oh, you know, I might have gone anyway." This now is like, "Oh, not captain." Yeah. They don't value me here. Teammates We're don't tipping the ledger. Yeah, we are. Also, who who you got for Geelong? Do you have um, Stuart Dangerfield or Blitzhouse? No, Ooh. Stuart. Uh, blitz house you can go danger Hamish. Oh, yeah i'll go danger there we go <laughs> danger. Um, oh, all right and, and i put this one in here just for the the fun so um, early. <laughs> i left i left brandlow out of it because we've got to keep the listeners hanging on ben well but we've got to market that one predictions that'll, that'll, be that'll be yeah yeah, yeah. this is the early bold call okay. we're not locked into this it will chat we'll do a proper ladder and everything and i'll pick collingwood to come last again and look like <laughs> a genius again um that was one of the all-timers anyway um i want your premier <laughs> Your bolter, your slider, your spoon, and your your, your headline. Ben, right. take. I'll go. This I haven't thought about this at all. Premier Tigers. Wow. Bolter, would... therefore. Bolter, therefore, Tigers. Um, but your bolter is usually someone coming from out of the eight. So yeah, um, you can have Tigers. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tigers, they'd be bolters in the Premiership. Uh, slider, Bulldogs. Spoon. Be nice. West Coast. <laughs> um, the biggest news story will be Dusty Brownlow. Wow. <laughs> There's the Brownlow prediction as well. That was subtle. Where's this Tigers? Uh, yeah. And I'm coming from. Anyway, yeah. you go, you go. Uh, Premier Geelong, Bolter, Port Adelaide, Slider, uh, Richmond, Spoon, North new story Tassie team. Oh yeah, love that. That'd be a great year of footy. Yeah. No, right, I don't get. I don't <laughs> no, get any legal really trouble. Care. So just for legal purposes, this is a joke. I mean, it's not really, but for legal purposes, uh, my premier. I've also got Geelong. Um, my Bolter. Um, I've got Carlton. Um, they should they should climb the ladder. Couldn't say um, answer, but. You'd yeah, hope. yeah. You'd <laughs> that, that's um, that is a no-brainer. Surely, actually, that'll... actually, if you want my one who's going to move up the most spots, it's going to be West Coast. But I don't think they'll make the eight. I just think they'll jump from seventeenth up to like tenth. Uh, slider, uh, I think pies. Sid- actually, Sydney. Actually, <laughs> Sydney or no, pies. No. Calling, calling would finish. Calling would finish bottom six. Yeah, I reckon um, when you get smoked in a grand final, it does terrible uh, things to you. You don't it reckon? Does. You're right. It no, does it terrible does. things to your side. Um, and my my biggest news story, booting off Ben here, Lance Franklin, um, involuntary oh, retirement after third strike of the AFL drugs policy. <laughs> <laughs> what a way got to on, go. Got it on pretty good authority that he's on two. So, um, <laughs> yeah, he's only one away. And not slowing down. <laughs> That's a joke Boy, for legal is purposes. Three strike, is three strikes a... Anything as well. I feel like there's no consequences with drugs in the AFL. Like it certainly seems that way. Yeah, it's only if you get caught on video and then you get done for bringing the game into disrepute, not doing drugs. Yes. Anyway, so do your class A drugs. Just don't film yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Moral of the story. Moving right, on. Yes, time to move on. Moving yeah, on. Moment of the week. Uh, we've covered it in some detail, but I think, Hamish, you told your story of it. I sort of partway told mine. But anyway, so I know what the scores are. I go into the clubhouse after my round of golf. Clubhouses, for those who don't play golf, are pretty stuffy environments. And I was a guest in this clubhouse, so I was supposed to be on my best behavior. And I got my phone out, which is the first big no. And I'm watching through... Going down through the wickets, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty bad. Missed a straight one, nicked one, kicked one. Why are we sweeping? What is going on? And I'm like, Cummins, like first baller, surely he got a beauty. Like it's the captain. He's come in. The game is 
we're we're hanging on by a thread. Surely he's just copped an unliable delivery. <laughs> and then I've watched him try and hit it back to Brisbane. <laughs> just first ball, <laughs> miss it by about a meter and just get bowled. And I thought, what the hell is this cricket team? You know, you know what it reminded me of? It was Hugo back when we used to play a little Wii Sports when you throw the split up in baseball and you've just <laughs> you've missed it by five meters and you yeah. look like a fool but it's what nice. can you do it was um it had the same wow factor as when maxwell charged down the wicket <laughs> and, left it. Yeah. and it was one of those just like what have i just watched yeah uh, it's, a, it's a good one ben. um mine's more of a factual one but it's interesting it only happened an hour ago so fresh this? off the press um so english football is introducing a new independent regulator and it was recommended by a fan-led review last year, confirmed by the UK government. So the government-run uh, organisation has a few purposes. It's going to prevent historic clubs going out of business and it's going to give fans greater input um, and a new owners and, and directors test. So we can't just have uh, any old dictatorship taking over. Um, and it's a significant move, which aims to protect English football's heritage. And one of the most significant things to come of it is they're going to, block clubs from joining any kind of breakaway European Super League, which Super League 2.0 was in the works for for next yeah. year. So it's a big move. Um, and just reading down here, um, yeah, and ensuring a fair distribution of money filters down the English football pyramid from the Premier League. Um, it's kind of, to some extent, uh, trying to better regulate that financial fair play stuff as as well, uh, which obviously the Manchester City stuff's still ongoing. But anyway, big news to come out of out of the UK. Yeah, massive. Oh. Um, especially because the it looked like there was much more effort put into the Super League 2.0 and you know research and background and marketing and stuff. So to come out like that um is a good move uh my moment of the week is a while ago definitely not this week it is lebron james breaking the all-time points record in the nba of 38,387 points one of those moments a bit more than pat cummins missing his his sweep shot is is a where were you when moment and uh i was on the way back from the u.s in sydney airport on a seven hour layover which was great because i got to watch the game um and a record they said would never be broken. Hard to imagine LeBron's being broken in an era of, you know, load management. Um, I don't think it ever will. Uh, I oh, think it's it's going to end up. I saw, a, I saw a stat the other day that he's get, there's going to end up with a bigger point scoring gap between LeBron and Jordan than there is between Jordan and Paul Pierce. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's going to be the gap. And it's just unbelievable. I mean, he's still going strong. He's still he's still playing great yeah, basketball. He exactly. could end up 40, 41, 2, maybe 43,000 points yeah. in the regular season. I mean, yeah. forget about the nine straight finals or whatever the hell it was. The guy's insane. Yeah. Hey, um, my, my favorite, one of my favorite videos is Paul Pierce, a.k.a. The Truth. Uh, playing his last game in in Boston, and he comes off and and um, so he comes onto the field. I can't remember who he finished career with anyway. Um, and ball shoots out to him, and teams down by like five, so the crowd is confident Boston's going to win, and he just nails a three, and then just like in the middle of the the garden. It was it was a good moment. Anyway, um, just just giving Paul Pierce the love he deserves. I think yeah. um, the truth. Yeah, uh, fan moment of the week comes in from Andy from from the UK that was James Anderson returning to number one test bowler at the ripe old age of 40 this is um, amazing first time in about 85 or 87 years uh, but he's actually only the fifth oldest so there are four people older than him and, and um, old Bert Ironmonger was 50 when he topped the the test bowling charts uh, back in the the 19th century I believe so he's got a little bit of work still to do Jimmy um but yeah, Cummins, Cummins has dropped down to third and Ashwin's up into second. Um, and I'm just no yeah, fearing fearing how we're gonna go, uh, if we're gonna get Bazballed or not, because Jimmy didn't play in the 2019 Ashes, so it could be anything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, it's uh, been a while, Hugo. <laughs> and you've been across the hemispheres, several you've been across times, the continents, man. several different time zones. So lost a whole look, day. you could be forgiven. 
if you had lost track of time. But for all the listeners out there, we'll check in with you. What does it say on your watch right now? Uh, it says that it is time for Australia's favourite podcasting segment. That is hit or miss. Keep it to Australia this way when we're returning. Uh, I'll take it away with an easy one, and that is that the Matildas are the most likable Australian team. When I say an easy one, a quick one. The Matildas are the most likable Australian team right now. Mm, Yeah, it's a hit for me. It would be them or the women's cricket team, I think. Very, both very, very easy to root for. I think the Matildas have the underdog thing going for them that the cricket team definitely do not. <laughs> so, um, yeah, all right, that's a hit. Good call. Controversial. I'm going miss. I'm going the Socceroos are more likable than the Matildas at the moment. Um, just after the the World Cup. I don't think that'll last for long. I think by the time the, the World Cup rolls around, the Matildas will overtake them. But, yeah, a lot of love for uh, the Socceroos at the moment. Yeah, I was going to say as a miss for the Australian women's cricket team, but then Ben's underdog comment. Um, I mean, they're not a massive underdog in the way the Socceroos are, but I think they're more likable than the Socceroos in the fact that I think the hype is already built for the World Cup with this um, mm. Cup of Nations, I think it's called. Is, is, yeah, uh, they won it, didn't they? Yeah, They won it. I mean, it's just friendlies, but in a in a competition format. Um, and it's a great result. Games at home as well, selling out crowds in Newcastle and stuff. I love that they're playing in more regional grounds that probably won't get World Cup games. It's a shame there aren't more in Melbourne, but that's fine. <laughs> Not that I'm counting. <laughs> um, all right, I've got to be a controversial one, but yeah, we can keep it brief as well. So uh, the Olympic body, the IOC, is facing mounting backlash after setting out a path last month for athletes of both Russian and, and Belarusian um, nationality to earn slots for the Olympics through Asian qualifying. They'll compete as neutrals without flags or anthems, but there been a lot of push by many countries to say, no, these athletes should not be allowed to compete. Um, and the IOC has responded by saying, allowing these athletes to compete can open the door to dialogue and peace building in ways that exclusion and division do not. Do they have a point? They have a point. You don't miss. <laughs> uh, well, it's a miss on the dialogue and peace building, <laughs> I, I think, perhaps. But I, I think the actual path that you just laid out there makes sense. Um performing as individual athletes it's not really what the olympics is about but um it's quite complex and you got to take into account how much athletes sacrifice and you your prime only lasts say for two olympics and i think to miss to miss both of them because of something that your government's doing is pretty rough um so yeah i think it's definitely a miss on the peace building i don't i can't see this in any way (laughs) being um you're serving that end but yeah what do you think Hugo? no i agree 100 ben can't really add anything else on just the fact that you know if if the athletes want to compete and don't come out supporting the attack then yeah uh, then i i I agree with you ben yeah yeah very tricky tricky one but um and i'm not at all in any way shape or form comparing um, war to doping um, but the fact that they allowed the Russian athletes to compete after a doping scandal that like was was specifically the athletes not the, yeah. the country um, then like if that's how low your threshold is then I'm not surprised that this is the decision they've reached when it's not really the athletes who are um, the central body here but yeah complex one Ben what's a North Korea do <laughs> they compete as not, yeah, there's, yeah. There's, don't they don't, have they don't they win every gold and they've won every gold and Kim Jong Un's won like seventeen. Time for Ben's hit on yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, right. My my hit or miss. It's 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 really blurring the lines between a hit or miss and a bold prediction. But yeah. I I thought it was just preposterous enough to stimulate some interesting debate. So. Hit or miss. Australia will lose nine tests in a row, including. Including Do you want to make it 10? Lost. The World Test Championship. Oh. Because it's played before the Ashes. Yeah. Was there a guarantee that if we 
Uh, no, we off the, um, yeah, assume we do. Assume we do. Yeah, why not? Ten's a beautifully round number. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. No, <laughs> so run me through <laughs> hit or miss. And if, it, and if it is a hit, what, what are the ramifications look like? Right. I think it's a miss. I think if we make the World Test Championship final, I I think it'll be close, but I reckon we're a chance of beating India and England. I think, you know, you look at Australia's performance in England a couple of years ago, it was against a much weaker England side, but I think our bowls are good enough. I think they've got good pace bowlers, but I think Boomer is still meant to be out. Big loss. And then our batsmen have, have built around the England tour a lot more over the past few years. And then I think we'll win at least one game in England. I think we'll lose a series, but it could be 4-1, 3-2. Um, I think the basketball will will work for them. I don't necessarily think it's a tactic that every team needs to adopt. I think it works for this current England side. They've got the batsmen to do it. They've mm. got you know, Harry Brooks, yeah. who's just a jet. Like, he is a gun. Like, And, you know, I don't think Australia should be playing because it doesn't suit Steve Smith. But I think... I think we'll be good enough to. I think we're a very good test side right now. We're just not good enough in England, in in, in India, sorry. And so I think we'll we'll win at least one or two, but maybe lose a series. Love it, uh, Hamish. <laughs> um, it's funny how how short our memories are, aren't we? After just like South Africa didn't even get a look in a single no. single. We won every session over summer. Well, and you, here we I are discussing. Like... Sorry to interrupt, but the how like disappointed we were in the West Indian series is probably how the Indians feel. It's like, oh, right why now. do we have to play the Australians yeah. again? Like, can't even put up a fight. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Mate, sorry, you were saying. Shout, shout, shout out to 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 keen listener Oliver Carr, who was recently in India and saying the the people he spoke to over there were hoping for a really competitive series and yeah, of course. just like we do we do when they come over here um yeah definitely <laughs> I, I, I look I, I can't I can't say it's a hit if I say it's a hit I've lost all hope but I do think we will lose the last two tests against India so that's four I think they should beat us in the world test that's five. and then I think baseball will destroy us because we six are such seven. a proud country that we won't be able to swallow because it's such an attack on like the um mm. the the way you hold yourself like are you willing to, to actually admit that we're gonna have to change the way we play to combat this aggressive non-traditional mm. way the thing i think will save us is a bit of rain a bit of rain around in the uk you know what it does we ain't gonna lose all five we get a get a draw somewhere it's always flat at the oval um, bad year though my god yeah, but that's okay. We'll come around. We've got the West Indies in Pakistan in summer, so happy days. Travis head for little, 300. Yeah, a little average rooster. Bring Adam, Adam Voges back. Yeah. <laughs> to average 80 in test cricket. He'll um, always just be like an enigma in all the yeah, stats. Because yeah. he, he, he played enough games for it to yeah. not be like a total statistical anomaly. Like, you know, he played two tests, say, and averaged that yeah. much. So he played a few a few yeah, summers yeah. of cricket, averaged 80 <laughs> Best it's nuts, isn't it? Um, so on this day, on this week, which is really we know why the li- we we deliberately hold this one last. We know we're going to get the listeners to stay with us until yeah, this. That's second. how you can get it. get through all the rubbish beforehand. And yeah, thanks yeah. to everyone who's who's gotten here, and we're going back. Here's your chocolate. Many many a moon, and I'm talking 149 years. It's in 1874 on February the 23rd. When Major Walter Clopton Winfield patents a game called um, Sferi Stike. No. Um, no. That's definitely not how you pronounce that word. Heidi Stike. Uh, also known as Lawn Tennis. So that. Uh, we've got we've got a lot to thank the Major for. I don't know what he was like as a human. So mm. um, yeah, yeah, no comments on that. But, um, probably not. Not a great bloke, just generally. Factoid, <laughs> factoid for you boys on lawn tennis. So at, at Royal Sydney Golf Club, they uh they have they have lawn tennis courts, so you can only play in all whites, just like Wimbledon. Oh, yeah. And their claim to fame is the only establishment in the world where Roger Federer has played tennis and Tiger Woods has played golf, which I think <laughs> is is pretty neat. Like that, not a bad fact at all. And, and is, Ben Rosen. Yeah. And well, I mean, I'll let, them, I'll let them say that. <laughs> no, I so we I drove up, brought my tennis stuff, racket and balls, but didn't bring my whites. 
<laughs> classic, classic mistake. Yeah, so what my career was. That, that is a good little factoid. Yeah. Anyway, all right, boys. Upcoming well. events. We'll what get into for it us? now. Um, so we'll start with the cricketing world. Obviously, Australia continues its tour of India with the third and fourth test coming up. Sheffield Shield action continues as well as the Women's T20 World Cup with massive semi-finals. Uh, Australia playing India and England playing South Africa. Elsewhere in the world, we've got New Zealand playing England in that uh, second test, which is at the Basin in Wellington. And then we've got the Women's National Cricket League continuing as well. In US sports, we've got the NBA, NHL continuing, and then preseason baseball starts soon, as well as the World Baseball Classic, which is basically the World Cup baseball, which is pretty exciting because they've actually managed to get um, the best players in the world to it, unlike the NBA. And obviously there's no um, NFL World Cup. Uh, in the world of F1, we've got preseason testing currently in Bahrain, and then we've got uh, a couple races coming up soon for the start of the season, which is very exciting. Nicely done, Hugo. Um, all off the top of your head as well. Very impressed. <laughs> um, in the soccer world, well, I've discussed the big one, the Carabao Cup final, Newcastle and Man United. Go watch Laris Carrius. Well, they'll do something. Guaranteed to be entertaining Monday morning. And Man United also play uh tomorrow morning in what a game it'll be done they're playing barcelona usually a blockbuster match but it would be the europa league that they're both competing in this year this year which is uh well, look it's not embarrassing but um considering that, considering that Real have kind of choked on the la liga and um mm. barca are now favorites the, the fact that they're in europa is disaster for them it is um and man it's kind of kind of funny league, kind of kind of yeah Benjamin? Bizarre. What have we got? AFL preseason, blockbuster stuff. There's pre-preseason and then preseason. And we've got it all for you here. Don't worry about that. And in the golf, there's the Players' Championship, March 7 to March 12. Potentially, we'll see another Tiger appearance. It's the flagship event of the PGA Tour. Uh, Also coincides with the start of the LIB Golf Tour's second season. So it'll be interesting to see the golfing world heat up uh, once again, plenty of sto- storylines sure to ensue. I'll keep going on my tips and bold predictions for you. Um, this is one to write in your. We're going bold. Note. This is one to write in your little black notebook. I think Novak will win the Grand Slam this year. I have paid some thought to this. First, he won the Aussie Open on one leg, so he's that far ahead of the competition. Second, I think the biggest issue for him, as usual, would be the French and Nadal, but I just think Nadal might be cooked. We'll know for sure after this clay season, but I think from what I saw at the Aussie Open, I think he actually may have just spent his petrol tickets. So if that's the case and he wins all, if he wins those two, he definitely wins Wimbledon. He's not going to exhaust himself with the Olympics like he did last time he was chasing after it. So Grand Slam. What a lovely thought to leave the listeners on. That's all right. I'm coming to save the day because the Wallabies are going to smash and grab the Rugby World Cup. You heard it here first. They've got an easy draw. Eddie Jones, back where he belongs. And he's he's uh, listened to an interview. He's a weird dude. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. Like seriously strange gadget type operator. But he, he is designing this team as a smash and grab team is how he just, is how he's put it. He's not there to build some amazing ground up culture that produces great rugby for all future and drives, you know, participation at lower levels. He is here to get a bunch of people in the right places and the right headspace to go and win a world cup. And I love it. (laughs) And we're going all the way. It's coming home, baby. Oh my God. That was hilarious. There's been a lot of operator. (laughs) There's been a lot of talk of uh, my bold predictions being too far and, and not, current enough and then these two boys come in with their long-term Novak when will he win his well, grand mine's at least one that October, could be dis- November hey, mine, could be this year. mine could be disproven like mine's got checkpoints uh, I've given you one I've given you one a gift that keeps on giving throughout oh, the also year. we didn't discuss I think we missed while we were away that Tom Brady was nowhere near the Super Bowl and then retired <laughs> So oh, a couple of points up. Couple what of points. That far off. I actually watched my first ever NFL game to try and 
kick that horse home and didn't work. He didn't look that good. I don't know. What, I reckon he's a bit overrated, to be honest, Hugo. <laughs> I can see what all the fuss was about. From who? From, he kept on throwing it to the wrong people. <laughs> Why doesn't he just throw it to his teammates? I don't just know. Just throwing a ball. Just an idea. I might um, write him a letter. Well, I can do two then, considering you guys have gone long-term. I'll have one long-term and the short-term. I'll go the Matildas will make the final of the Women's World Cup, which is yeah. hopeful. I like I, I, you know, it'll be tough, but I reckon they're good enough in good in be- much better form than they have been. And then more recent one, or more common one, uh, yeah, uh, Steve Smith will score 200 runs in the next match. So I reckon he'll oh. score a ton and then a bit oh. extra. I'm backing him in. I'd Love still it. lose, but <laughs> amazing. I reckon there's a, a like a very good chance that none of those bold predictions yes. come off. <laughs> I reckon like like to go one from four would be an achievement. Anyhow, we do our best. Lads, it was great to have you back. Hugo, welcome back home. Thank Everyone, you, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for joining back in. As Hamish mentioned off the top, we're refreshed, we're rejuvenated, and we're ready to go. Bring you all the action as the shoulder period of sports hits, cricket draws to a close and the footy season ramps up and all the other ancillaries keep bubbling along nicely and we'll be here to bring it all to you. Thank you so much.